This is the man who put a million on black, and it came up red. This is the man who married a sex kitten, just as she turned into a cat. This is the man who moved into gold, just as the clever money moved out. If only he'd waited for the new Gundam. Life's not so bad. Alright everyone, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is going to be episode 38. This is uh, going to be kind of a different uh, different take of a, a normal Gundam episode that we've done before. I'm going to be doing two topics today. And uh, before I get into that though, I'm going to say hi to Chris and Solbro, the normal host. How are you guys doing? Yo. Doing great. Alright, and we will be uh, joined later on by the, uh, the, the fifth Beatle. Of Gundam, you've known him from some of our live Yusumicon and Megacon casts. Uh, Dale will be on for a segment, and uh, a returning guest that we've had what was it during Gurren Lagan, and what else was he on? That was pretty much it, right? He was on the Gurren Lagan episode that we talked about. Yes, and that would be uh, Pedo Bear South. Uh, that would be Pedro. And uh, the two topics we're going to be talking about today is uh, one's going to with Dale. We'll be speaking about his adventures and some of the things that he did during the Mini MegaCon that was held here in Orlando in uh, mid-August. Kind of, uh, I guess, un- uh, the new summer con that they're going to be adding to the schedule. Don't know if it's going to be an ongoing thing, but first time that they did it this year. Um, in addition to their, you know, normal spring convention at the Orange County Convention Center. And uh, the other topic we'll be talking about is going to be uh, Pedro went to the land of the rising sun, Japan, a couple couple weeks ago. And he was able to go see the actual uh, 59-foot Gundam that was in the Obadias Island there. And um, went to some other cons, the Gundam Expo and everything that was there. So we're going to be talking to him, ask some questions. He's going to tell us some of the things that he saw. And um, he's, we'll also, at the end of the show, we'll have some of uh, the links. And they'll be also on our website with some of the, the websites that he's uh, associated with, with all the pictures and some of the uh, other stuff like blog entries and journal entries that they have on a trip. But before we move into that, got some um, Neo's news here. And once again, I'd always want to thank all the folks that have uh, submitted articles and keep them coming. I know sometimes it's uh, better times to find articles than normal, but, um, you know, but thank you all. And um, the first one's going to be from a, a regular poster on the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles Forum. And that's from uh, Zero Buster XX. And I'm afraid to say this because in our reality here, you know, uh, in the Gundam reality of, of the Gundam world, uh, this show doesn't exist. Uh, but this is courtesy from uh, the fine folks at Anime News Network and um, some show called Gundam Unicorn. It's been released. What it's actually going to be, and what? it's going to be how, how can it be anything if it doesn't exist? Yeah, this is a quandary, isn't it? This is one of these like paradoxes. It's a, it's a, it's a time paradox. Time paradox, yes, but uh, or a pine paradox, if you will. Whatever universe this is in, it's this Gundam Unicorn is going to be six fifty-minute OVA episodes, and uh, it's going to launch in the spring of two thousand ten. 
and they're going to be presented on um, when they finally come out. Most likely in Japan, it'll be Blu-ray and DVD. I'm sure we'll just get DVDs unless Solbro puts a petition for Blu-rays. That's me starting petitions. <laughs> You guys, I'm gonna start my online petition. Do you guys want to sign it? Dear, I'll show the I'll show the man what's what. Dear folks at Sunrise, and of course, this is kind of a landmark show because it's going to be based off of novels uh, that were originally written, and this is a first for the Gundam franchise originally as a whole. Never written. Have originally never written that too, but it's set in the Universal Century, and some people are saying it's probably be the greatest show ever, but we'll have to find out in the spring. And anything else you want to add to this, Chris or Solbro? Nope. All right. Cool. Real easy. This is another one. This actually wasn't posted on the uh, Neo's News uh, thread, but this is actually sent to me directly. And we'll be putting this up on the website shortly. Uh, this is from Solar Radio Wave. And he had sent me some links to some YouTube interviews with Seiji Mishishima and Yosiki Kuruda at the Anime Expo this past year. And I went through some of them, and, you know, uh, I think this would be great stuff for everybody to take a look at. But they'll be on the Gundam.net website, and uh, we'll probably be putting them on the links when uh, we put the uh, thread up for this episode being released. So check that out, and I definitely want to thank uh, Dolo, Dolo Lance for his submission, and thank you. And sorry I didn't put it up sooner. Next little uh, article that we have here, and it's from either the uh, Thaddeus Bonzo or the Deuce Bonzo, whatever he wants to go by. And uh, <laughs> I think he'd like to go by the way his name's actually supposed to pronounce, not the way you like to mispronounce it. Well, spell it correctly then. In America, we don't put our capitals in the middle. Yo, you gotta learn to speak American, boy. You need to speak Americanese, um, as is as is well known as Merca. <laughs> Quickly. Spell it correctly so I can get my guns and go to protest. But this is kind of interesting, and, you know, I don't know how to feel about this. This is also from the Anime News Network, and it seems that the Bandai channel, responsible for such hits as, um, what, Stargazer was shown on the Bandai channel? Yes, it was. Yep. For all those in the U.S., which is America and uh, Eurasia, at the start of 2010, next year, uh, the Bandai ch the Bandai channel is going to start being distributed in those areas. Now it doesn't really say what they're going to be, you know, how it's going to be going, um, um, you know, how how this is going to be offered, if it's going to be online or through like your local cable provider. But they're going to be streaming it at the beginning of next year. They're going to uh, begin when with the first forty three episodes of Mobile Suit Gundam. Oh, and they're going to be using, um, you know, Flash technology. So they'll be using Adobe Flash on there. Make sure you bastards don't pirate it. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're aiming to distribute. And by you, I mean Neo specifically. Nice me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Why am I getting pulled into this, man? I'm not a pirate. <laughs> I'm American. No. Um. And they uh they're. <laughs> <laughs> Their aim in Namco Bandai is trying to distribute the franchise of the Gundam in uh, 12 different, uh, you know, the franchise of Gundam in 12 different languages worldwide. And uh, they were starting that in 2009. And they've also been doing some stuff like showing uh, Kogias, Lelouch of the Rebellion on YouTube and Double O's. But um, this this will be kind of interesting. We'll keep you posted on how this whole Bandai channel works. Hopefully it'll work better than the anime network. <laughs> See how well that worked. And the final news article that we have here is from another poster, Furious Rodimus. And um, there's no alternate way of saying his name. But uh Furious Rod Imus. 
<laughs> Rod Eye Moose. Um, this is also courtesy of the Anime News Network that he took this article from. And I don't believe that we discussed this too much in Pedro's segment uh, uh, during about the uh, Gundam Big Expo, but it, it's been reported during the Gundam Big Expo that they previewed something called Ring of Gundam, and it's a short film that was created, written, and directed by some guy named Yoshiyuki Tamino. Oh. I think he's got some ties to Gundam. Who? Um, <laughs> and uh, it... You know, there were some images that were posted online, and this is uh, kind of marking the 30th anniversary of the sh- of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, which we've been celebrating all of 2009. And it's something called the Robot Anime Studios producing the hybrid. It's a hybrid of uh, computer graphics and some traditional animation. Uh, Chris had actually showed us before we started recording some um, screenshots, and it, it looks pretty impressive. You know, it's they don't look like they have too many of the crazy eye, the crazy igloo eyes that they have there. <laughs> Uh, but briefly here, the story of Ring and Gundam, it takes place in a new era, long after the events of the first Mobile Suit Gundam's one-year war. And in this, in this setting, uh, a giant 600-kilometer-wide ring now floats in lunar orbit. An Earth Federation's former forces member named Eiji discovers an object called Beauty Memory, buried in the high-altitude massive rock bed on Earth. And uh, an actor called Darjini Karaka plays Eiji, while uh, Yuki Harita, uh, this is somebody that you would know from um, Cross Game and Hajime no Ippo, New Challenger. Yes. Plays the heroine Yuri. And the keywords of the story are Armoro's memories. Oh, I wonder if they find the uh, computer from the core fighter. Hey, you never know. Yeah. So, I don't know. But um, just check that out and you can find all these stories on the Neo's News listeners submitted articles thread on the Gundam forum in at Mecha Talk. Anything else, guys, before we jump into our topics today? Nope, if- that's it. I'm ready to do this. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. cake but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery in the south florida area try epicsugarworks.com this bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series video game character or whatever custom design you're looking for their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody so if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm Go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. I'll be damned if I'm going to clean up this mess! This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. And we're back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ, and in this segment, we're going to be discussing one of our um, roving reporters' experiences at the most recent Mini MegaCon, which happened here in Orlando, Florida. I shall call him Mini MegaCon. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I had to, sorry. Well, it was fitting. But we have Dale Roush here. The, uh, the, the fifth Beatle. The, the fourth Beatle. <laughs> the fifth Beatle. <laughs> yes. And he's joining us in this segment to talk about some of his adventures. Him and his, him and his wife, Tanya, were there um, just a few weekends ago. Dale, take it away. How was day one of Mini Mega? Yeah, Mini MegaCon is actually pretty cool because it's, I mean, if you don't like the crowds at the bigger MegaCon, this is kind of a more intimate experience. Was it just Saturday and Sunday? It was just Saturday and Sunday and a little bit shorter hours. Mm -hmm. And originally they had like Twilight and Buffy guests, but the Twilight people had to go and... How sad. Film their movie. How very, very sad. I was very disappointed in that. Oh. As were a lot of girls who who slit their wrists inside the bathtub. (laughs) Oh. No, but uh, the Buffy guests, I mean, you had people from Buffy and Angel like Charisma Carpenter, Amber Benson, Adam Bush. They had one big panel on Saturday that was a little bit, I think it was a bit overcrowded because we all filed into the room and there were still about three times as many people outside. So they displaced us and said, okay, we're going to double the room size. Let's move to a bigger room. So we had like front row seats. So we lost those, went back into the other room, got into that room. And then they expanded the room further by removing the panel next to that room. Ended up with a completely giant, gigantic room that we probably should have started with in the beginning. But the panel was pretty cool because we still ended up in the second row center. Oh, wow. And so that it was okay. What was the panel about? Pretty much a potpourri of just about everything. I mean, just asking questions about, uh, you know, the new Buffy movie that's coming out. Oh, they're doing a new Buffy movie? They are without Joss Whedon, so it's not involving the original cast. A lot of them have been vocal against that. You know, they don't really like that idea because the first... Buffy movie where they didn't really let Josh do what he wanted wasn't as good as the show, and this one's going to have zero involvement from him. So we all remember like Wing Commander and uh, <laughs> what, is the, what are the other ones that were? Uh, not let's let's not remember Wing Commander, please. Oh, okay, that's... poor Malcolm. <laughs> poor Malcolm. Don't. Don't invoke the evil spirit of Freddie Prince Jr. Ouch. Ouch. Well, we actually did We did get able to slip a question, and we had to write down our questions in advance because they were pre-screened. And luckily, Tanya actually was able to get one in. And one thing we noticed was every single person at the panel was dead in the Buffy universe, at least as far as the TV show is concerned, not Man. the comic. Mm-hmm. So we asked them how they felt about that. I have that on a voice recorder, and I'll shoot that your way after we're done recording. Heck yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was the big thing on Saturday. So, What about Sunday? What was... Sunday. I don't know if you've heard of... Sunday, (laughs) Sunday. Yes, Sunday, they didn't have any of the Buffy Buffy people doing a panel. They were all signing, so it was mainly an anime day. Oh, wow. So we had Mr. Vic Mignogna there. What exactly (laughs) is anime? No, just kidding. (laughs) What is anime? No, that was pretty cool. um, Oh, it had Vic Mignogna. Wow. And and Austin was lurking in the corner. Was that what? Did, what did, he stole a sandwich from Austin, right? And then the whole deal. <laughs> Let's not get into that again. Oh, did anybody no. give him a a five dollar foot long? Austin will, oh. Austin will not let that go to the day he dies, man. That's been about five years now. He's still mentioning he, that. He, he won't let that go until even after he dies. Wow, Austin oh. being irrational. Wow, oh, that must have been never some... imagined that, right? That must, have been, that must have been a really sandwich. good sandwich. Damn. Yeah, what kind of sandwich was that? <laughs> was that the um, Was it a public sub? No, was it that sandwich from Aqua Teen? The one that like <laughs> the one that you couldn't eat the tomatoes on? <laughs> but it was the I best think it sandwich. was Burger King. <laughs> Oh, chicken parmesan. BK does make a mean whopper. I think it actually it was. Might, Burger it might have been. It might have. It might have been a chicken sandwich. No, and no. no, dude. The it was the, chicken sandwiches, man. It was the angry whopper, dude. That's why Austin is so hateful. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you did you hear Mr. Mignana go, or is it the same old stuff where 
young pubescent girls are screaming. No, it's actually kind of funny because we got him into a tirade against Hollywood. I mean, what? The man really doesn't like Hollywood films. He's very much into independent film, and I never really knew that. We never really got into that with him at any previous panel. So someone actually asked him a cool question about Hollywood yes. film. Yes, about 20 minutes. I actually have the whole panel on a voice really? recorder. So I, I, he would, but, he uh, would speak ill about Bad Boys 2, the greatest action-adventure movie of all time. <laughs> I, 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 might, I might have to join arms with Austin. Man. No, he really thinks Hollywood is completely corrupted, and they use the same plot points in every movie, and he's really against large-budget films. And they, he really, they really do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Maybe he's just against Hollywood because they won't hire him. Yeah, oh. That's what I was about to say. No, ser- seriously, that's not nice. I do, I, do, I do agree with him, though. I mean, just not to get completely saturated, but I agree with him. Um, Big-budget <laughs> movies have just become overinflated. After seeing District 9 come out and seeing that that movie was made on a $30 million budget, I think Hollywood really needs to reel back and 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 come out. Come yeah. out the, and you know, he he actually used that as an example. He he yeah. used District Nine as oh, an yeah. example. That's the perfect example. I mean, I watch a lot of independent films, man. Any chance I get, if I see a trailer I like, I'll go see them. And he's right. I mean, they, th- there's a lot of thoughtful lo- lot of thoughtful scripts out there that would never be made on a big budget. District Nine, most overrated movie of 2009. Dang. <laughs> Hey, wait. So, is was Transformers two uh, bloated and 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 overdone? Is that what we're saying? Uh, no, it was perfectly paced and well written. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it was a nice little independent movie, modestly budgeted. I think. Of course, it was. <laughs> Just like GI Joe, right? Bay, an esteemed independent film director. Very you know, subtle. Very frequently subtle. see his his movies on IFC. Yeah. You know, they they frequently win lots of <laughs> awards the uh, the Cannes Film Festival, the Palme d'Or. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he gets a pass, though, man. Bad Boys 2. Bad Boys 2. That's all I got. Anything else on Sunday? Before- well, at the end of that panel, Tanya, after that tirade, asked him what he would like to see on screen, so I have that as well on the recorder. Full Metal Alchemist, the movie starting me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see four more, four more seasons of Full Metal Alchemist. That just might happen. <laughs> I'm sure it will. But on Sunday, they also had a musical act called Voltaire, and I've actually seen him on the Megacon list and also at DragonCon on the guest list. I've just never checked him out because he's always at midnight. Yeah, I've heard about that too. And so he was at 3 o'clock, so I thought, hey, I'll check it out. Sounds pretty cool. And he was absolutely entertaining. What type of I music definitely was recommend. It? it was like a parody of sci-fi, anime, and death. The guy is kind of a mid-1800s roving bard that sings morbid <laughs> songs about just about everything. What the hell? Now, did he get approval by Vic Mignogna? Was he or was he subtle and independent, or was he large and overbloated? Well, actually, their panels were back to back, so Ooh. that was uh, kind of a coincidence. Wow! No, it was it was pretty funny, actually. I definitely. <laughs> I'm just being stupid. If you can Google him, check out his, his song samples to get an idea of what he's all about. He's, actually, I mean, he's sung. On- I've heard about him. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about him too. Because when we were uh, talking to the people at Anime Sushi for the Spring MegaCon, they were talking about him. And I, I don't know if they were trying to get him for that or, you know, for this one or whatever. He had one song about walking into the cantina bar in Star Wars and getting boned by a Wookiee and rooted by some troopers. Well, then. Yeah. Setting the mood. Yeah. <laughs> that sets the mood for the whole night, really, for me. So Han shot first. Absolutely. <laughs> but, man, um, overall, how was the experience compared to Megacon? Miniature? Uh, you know, I like big conventions, but sometimes it's nice to get away from that and kind of have a little more open space. Yeah. yeah. It was much easier just to casually go into panels and kind of just rope the dealer's room without being, you know, shoulder to shoulder with everybody. So Yeah, after you, after you came back from Comic-Con, I guess it was a stark difference. Yeah. <laughs> 
And shoulder yeah. to shoulder with those unclean masses, because at least once from Megacon, I've gotten horrendously sick from filthy people probably just rubbing all over me in the dealer's room, squeezing around everywhere. That's the price, though, when you have a big convention like that. It's just yeah. going to be packed. So well, this was kind of cool. I, I mean, I think this, I, I would suggest this to, like, a Degree or Right Guard, if you want to get a, a tap a new market that doesn't know about your products, I would definitely uh, sponsor any type of anime or comic book uh, convention. Because there's definitely some people there would you know you might might get some new business out of. That. I honestly don't know why Axe Spray doesn't doesn't set them up a too. stable there, yeah. man. For real, I mean I see them advertise on nerd channels all the time. They should be at these conventions, man. Hey, there there's a whole market out there of of cleaning up Ota stinks. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's that there's that thing called um, A Spray or something like that. That's they're really in, are you kidding me? They, yeah, they have it in Japan. Ooh. Oh yeah, Ota stink cleanup. <laughs> So how would you rate the whole experience at Mini Megacon? On the MHQ scale. Yeah, one through five. I would give it a four. Do you think it was successful enough that they'll probably keep on doing it? Was there a good vibe, like, were people having fun? The only thing I would tell them to do is, when they have that many main guests, they should probably do at least two panels. Because Mm -hmm. if you missed Saturday, you missed kind of the main panel of the day. Oh, okay. Sunday was, I was having trouble finding, like, you know, a really big panel for that day. It was a bunch of smaller stuff on Sunday. So, Dale, just to give people a visual impression, we've been to Megacon. In terms of, like, floor space and size, how does Mini Megacon compare visually to um, regular Megacon in terms of, like, that? Probably a third. Oh, okay. Third to a half. Okay. It was, I mean, it was still in the convention center. It was still in the same wing of the convention center. It was just less space. Right. Not bad. So was the dealer's room only, like, half of, like, that giant area, like, divided in half, or...? Um, it looked like that. You know, it looked like they might have used more than the space than half. It was definitely more spread out. Like, I didn't see as much. I had a little more free space. Like, the autographs were actually off to the right instead of all the way in the back. So that back area where they usually have all the autographs and artists was blank, and they just divided it up. Oh, wow. perpendicular to that. How was how was the food at Mini MegaCon? Were you able what, to? You have mean like the mini, mini, mini sized? It's super priced. Were the hot dogs now mini and the uh, euros mini? And- Actually, I drove to I drove to TGI Fridays and used two fraudulent coupons. <laughs> You're gonna get that guy with the bleached hair on those commercials mad. I, I didn't even know they were fraudulent until like the manager came up to me with this really serious face, and I thought, "What?" And she goes, "These are these are fake coupons." Mm-hmm. And then for my for my trouble, she took them anyway and then gave me a pass for a free appetizer next time. What? Wow. You, know, really cool. you scam artist. How do you how do you always I swear to I, God. I have that kind of personality. Yeah. How do you always come out ahead with this stuff? I don't know. I thought I was I thought I was gonna be arrested or something. When she I'm not that. complaining since it works out for us going to Dragon Con cheaply, but I, I don't know. How, how hey, I always hook you up. I know, but dude man, you're the Gladstone Gander. Remember, this is this is <laughs> This is being recorded, and it probably could be used against you in a court of law. So. I didn't say which TGI Fridays, though. Man, Guy Fieri's going to show up at your front door. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, anything else in closing that you'd like to say about Mini Megacon or any other things that you think they would, they should or shouldn't do next year? Or? Yeah, just more panels, and, you know, I'd just like say to them, thanks for having me there. That was nice of them to invite the MHQ staff, and we'll probably see them for a couple panels again at the big one next year. Wow, cool. All right. Man, it sounds like a decent endeavor, and um, I'm sorry I missed out on it. I'll, I'll have to check it out next year. Well, you should be sorry. I know. I'm you are sorry. sorry. It sounds like it was a wonderful time, and be on the lookout for the actual panels that Dale recorded while he was there. We'll be posting those up shortly, too. And we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ.
teammates. It was an honor to be on the court with you. You guys are the best. Even you, Vakaitis. Damn dumb son of a bitch. You don't understand a word I'm saying, do you? You sometimes wonder how Real Robot would have worked out if this was the first Real Robot instead of Gundam, and they like kind of flipped, you know, maybe flipped their, the ways that they showed up, because as groundbreaking as Gundam is, I believe Matt Cross is just as groundbreaking in other ways. It almost yeah. seems like some of the things that Gundam didn't address. Matt Cross definitely did. Yeah. Because, you know, Gundam had, you know, the invincible robot created by the pilot's dad, super prototypes, all the sort of stuff, whereas in... Macross, uh, everyone pilots the same piece of junk. <laughs> or, or, and if you're Hikaru, you wreck the same piece of junk pretty much every other show, it, or, you know, it seemed like. That's a good point because um, you finally had a lead that was a regular dude. You know, he, he was, was a great not, pilot. was not the best pilot in the show. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you, if you introduced a genius pilot, but he was a, you know, a sub, he was well, sub-tier compared to Hikaru who had most of the I mean, time. he was, up until the point that Roy died, he was probably the third best pilot oh, yeah. behind Roy and, and Matt. Yeah, but he, he never became the yeah, the dude. He never surpassed them, you know. All the interesting things happened to him, though. So he didn't get the magnetic coating. <laughs> Next episode, you will see the tears of time. Next, I said next. Gun. Damn it, this is not the DMV. All right, move it along. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and today we're going to be hitting up a Gundam topic somewhat unlike what we usually do. I'm sure you've all seen pictures of the uh, Gundam Big Expo that went down recently in Japan. You've probably seen all of the pictures and um, YouTube videos of the Odaiba life-size Gundam. You've probably seen pictures of crazy events like Kamiket. But most of us can't go to those things. Fortunately, our friend uh, Pedro Bear South, a.k.a. Pedro Cortez of uh, Tomopop and Japanator, went to Japan and saw all of that. So he is joining us right now to discuss all of these uh, glorious events. So, uh, hey, Pedro, how's it going? I'm doing all right. A little jet lagged, but uh, definitely uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. So uh, why don't you give us a start with uh, describing... Uh, Kamiket, which uh, this year attracted 560,000 attendees. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm, uh, I'm used to going to cons here in Florida and around the country, going to Otakon. Otakon usually pulls about 20, you know, maybe 30,000 at, you know, at the max end. Um, the day that I went to Kamiket, which was the second day when I got there, so I landed, went to sleep, woke up, went to Kamiket. 180,000 people showed up. So when we left the train station and we actually got to the giant square, it was ridiculously packed to the point where, like, understanding seeing a sea of people, that's a saying, but actually being in the middle of a sea of people is something completely different. Going along with, the, with how cramped everything is in Tokyo kind of makes sense, but um, when you're literally pushing shoulder to shoulder with somebody and you're still half a mile away from the event you know that you're at something ridiculously massive. Man. So, yeah. Oh, one question before you yeah. before you go on. Out of that 180,000 people, what percentage of those people had badly bleached Shar wannabe hair? 
see you laugh but there were there were quite a few people who uh, that's why some, i asked yeah, yes. that was that was soul bro the cackling idiot when it comes to stuff like this <laughs> well no but, but that's more later on in the trip but there were there were a couple of people that had their hair what percentage at comic cat maybe only like five six percent but that increases later on in the trip as uh as you, you guys will will hear that's our that's our benchmark then that'll be our starting point <laughs> So, um, actually, what was more prevalent than the bleached hair were the surgical masks and the terrified uh, looks at at uh, the four Americans in line. So, apparently, everybody was terrified that we what, get were them they sick. Were flashbacks to the occupation? <laughs> no, I think it's more terrified uh, swine flu infection. Uh, didn't that come from their places? Yeah. Eh, whatever. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's skip that. But, um, so, it took about an hour and a half once we got there to get in. Comic-Con opens... Comic-Con opens at 10 o'clock in the morning, and we got there at 11, so we didn't even get in until 12.30. Man, you beat the odds. Um, I was listening to another podcast not too long ago, and they were saying that sometimes um, you have to wait till the afternoon to get in because it's so jam-packed. I was wondering, wow. I was wondering when you would get in, and, and thank you for answering that. That's, that's, that's nuts. You still had to wait that long, though. Yeah, it was, it, it was ridiculously hot. Like um, People who aren't familiar with Miami uh, humidity, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's like walking through a sauna on a consistent basis, and then having a cloud like jammed into your face and you can't breathe. Oh. It was the same idea, just multiplied by 180,000 oh. people. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a uh, bad. Uh, uh, one of my friends who was with us, uh, Eva Duenas of Japanator and Tomopop, uh, did get sick, but she had to sit down more than a couple times because the heat was pretty oppressive, and uh, it didn't really let up when we went inside uh, Tokyo Big Site. Because they decided that air conditioning was an option, not a necessity. Oh, jeez. So despite dealing with a lot of the uh, annoyances with the heat and stuff, uh, actually being in comic was very interesting. Because uh, in the States, you're used to going to a convention, and you're used to you know fans doing a lot of fan art. You know, Not necessarily going as far as the comic artists. artist. You know, people will draw something, and they'll sell it. But going into an entire event, which is completely fan-driven, yeah. was something out of this world, just to see the amount of dedication that people have toward this. Um, it's one thing when you see it in different anime, like in Genshiken, when you see people doing their indulgence and then selling it, and it's another thing actually seeing the people behind it, and it was it was very interesting. I'll never really look at uh, <laughs> at artist alleys at American conventions again after seeing, you know, how far other people go for it, like I'll be expecting a little more from <laughs> now on. <laughs> what, 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 what was so different? What was so different was... Um, how much work was put in. Like, most people will do some art that you can put on your wall. Yeah. Uh, I ended up buying several actually full comic dojins. Like, I ended up buying, uh, not at Comic Camp, but later on I bought some uh, Gurren Lagann dojins that were basically full-on art books. Like, entire large pieces with very, very high-quality paper in bound volumes. Like, the amount of investment that would be necessary to just get that made definitely would not be made back at a convention like this because dojins were going between, I'd say between about uh, 3 to $10. And Jeez. a lot of these, yeah, so a lot of these comics must have cost them multiple times more. And this is just completely fan-driven. Like, there's no, I mean, definitely some of the more corporate entities, which I'll go on in a little bit, um, are there for more money. This is just people, these circles are like, hey, I did something awesome. Please buy it. I think you'll appreciate it. It's definitely more community-driven. Did you find any official artists of, of say, a manga or whatnot um, actually doing doujins also? I heard that there's a, yes. a big surgence of that at, um, at Cod Maquette, too. Anybody of note? Uh, Ranga Murata, 
Uh, mm-hmm. If you're familiar with some of his art, I'm pretty sure Tony Taka was there. Right. Off the top of my head, because I can't really read uh, Japanese very well, I can read katakana and some hiragana, but kanji completely mystifies me. So <laughs> uh, when I read the the Khan Guide, which is a giant, massive tome, you know, I couldn't really understand where some of the people were. But looking back and seeing some of the stuff that was uh, subsequently sold afterward, which I'll go also go into a little bit later about the aftermarket that exists. But there's a definitely a very strong mindset that like I my career was made at Comic Cat, so I'm going to come back every year and put out new stuff. Heck yeah. That's where yeah. So like besides reading the art books and doing the character designs for different shows, they'll come back and they'll release like special edition art books and other dojins for the fans who made me famous. Mm-hmm. So you'll see a lot of uh, really well known artists releasing stuff. And so, the lines, so Pedro. Yeah. Would you say that like like the level of quality of art is people like putting out really professional works, whereas a lot of American conventions you go to an artist selling it's just people kind of just half-assing it and just you know kind of just putting crap out there. Yeah, the quality is much much higher. I'd say the the quality of crap to quality was I'd say probably about sixty to sixty-five percent quality and thirty to thirty-five percent crap, which doesn't sound that high, but when you go into, you know, and I'm saying most as a generalization, most artist alleys, you notice that the quality is at that solid. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that that's means, why I'm, I ask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking about I'm talking about quality of not just like oh that's pretty. I'm talking about quality in the oh this is amazing. I need to own this, even if I don't understand it. Like the art here is so phenomenal that I want to show this to other people. That definitely rings true. I remember when um I read an article once where Araki Sensei, the guy who does um JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, went to an American convention and called American comic artists lazy compared yeah. to Japanese. And 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 he went on to explain why and to go on about comic cat and the fact that artists go there and they you know they present mangas all drawn by themselves. Not to put down American comic book art because it's a completely different industry, yeah, industry when it comes down to it. But yeah, I mean, the amount of work that it takes a manga artist to get noticed in Japan is considerably more than I would probably say with a, with an American comic book artist. And um, Comic Comic Head has always been um, a venue for that, and it's 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 almost I wouldn't say it's cutthroat, but it's it's almost like a proving ground. Yeah, and, it's pretty cutthroat, actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's that's sort of what's interesting is that like what I've noticed in the ten days that I was there is the Japanese culture is very polite, but they're very passive aggressive. Yeah. So you know, yeah, and people are going to be like you know stabbing each other behind their back, but there's definitely a certain amount of one-upsmanship going on with the different artists and stuff, and everybody is polite and everybody's nice to each other, but there's always the undercurrent of I want to sell my dojin. I'm not going to make it, but I want the attention. I want the attention more than you do, so I'm going to get it. So, I mean, there's a certain amount of that going on. Not necessarily sum things up, but just to give, to give the general idea, the size of the convention, obviously 180,000 people is a lot, but to give the idea of how big it is, I'm using Otakon as the standard because that's the biggest one that I've been to in the States, and I think it's the second biggest in the, the country in terms of anime conventions. I think uh, Anime Expo is larger. You probably could fit, um, I would say, most of Otakon in the space that half of the half of Comic Cat takes up. It is this massive, massive, massive warehouse in Tokyo Big Site that from end to end, like you can barely see from end to end. It's just huge. Absolutely massive. And it's always full of people. And especially in the some of the But it was, the day, but it was unair conditioned? Uh the it was unair conditioned, oh. but yeah, that that was kind of brutal. How, how was the how was the Oda stink from that? Yeah, <laughs> that was also another surprise. There was no Oda stink. How comfortable was it though? Like, was this one? Was it really? 
Well, it was uncomfortable because there there was a slight breeze going through, but it was just hot and people well, don't. I understand that, but what I'm saying too is like with a mass of people, like you go to some conventions that have a large amount of people in it, and it's run very well, and, and people are nice and stuff. I know Japanese people are very nice, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Is it just like, yeah. you feel like you just got people all around you or is it just one of these things where, you know, everybody's pretty cool and, and that yeah, every, everybody was pretty cool. I mean, there the wasn't any tensions raising. I mean, obviously people are going to be stopping. Well, I, in front I of wasn't them. expecting like, you know, like, uh, you know, it's flying. yeah, like, uh, you know, the colors are flying and gang wars, but, um, <laughs> But you know what I mean. Like, you know, is it one of these things where you're going to get stepped on all the time or bumped into? Actually, I ended up doing most of the stepping on my compatriots. So <laughs> that's goofy, just because I'm clumsy. Goofy, goofy, clumsy American. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And all the Japanese were laughing at you. They're like, yeah. ha, ha, bakagaijin. I got, I, got, I got a bunch of... I, that's the other thing, too, is dealing with uh, the staring. Like, they'll, they'll be polite to me, but I'll be damned if they weren't looking at me every second that I was there. And what the they hell were they very very for? Like, were you going to steal something? Well, I'm a giant soulbodic! Walking through, uh... <laughs> walking through Japan. Oh, that was what I was going to ask, because, I mean, you're not too extremely tall, but, like, like, how was it? Was it just, like, towering over, like, a, a sea of munchkins? No, uh... <laughs> It seems that, like in the last couple generations that you know people have gotten taller. So I mean, I, I was taller than most, but you know I, I wasn't abnormally large. But I am, I, you know, for people who haven't seen me before, I uh, I'm about almost six feet tall. I have hair down to halfway down my back. I have a you know I have a large hooked nose. You know I'm very very obvious, and I was wearing a uh, a derby hat and a Clockwork Orange T-shirt. So. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was really easy to fight. First, so, I'd hate to see what they do to me. They probably freaking burn a hole dip. through my soul. Oh. <laughs> run right through you. Just get away. Who's that Nordic giant? Yeah. <laughs> well, you went there in cosplay, huh? That must have been even more brutal when um when when well, when, when given the heat factor. It wasn't cosplay. It was just that I I, I wanted to bring my orange t-shirt and a it derby. Was a, it was like oh. an orange. Yeah. I, thought he went as Malcolm just... Mc... I thought he went as Malcolm McDowell. I'm sorry. That would be <laughs> even... Uh... I considered, even I considered it, but that would have been a little bit too freaky. Woo! I would have went as General MacArthur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Or, F or FDR. <laughs> <laughs> Dress as Commodore Perry. Put that shirt back in them. The Enola Gay. <laughs> wow, this is just sorry. going so far off the rails. So is, okay. that, is that it for, uh, for Comic Cat, Pedro? Yes. Um... The last bit I'll say about Comic Cat, and this kind of leads on to some of the other days, um, mm -hmm. is I went there and I saw some doujins. I, I didn't see a lot. Of, I didn't see you know too much stuff there that I liked. A lot of the doujins I ended up buying was in uh, secondhand shops. The the whole concept of secondhand with doujins is huge, huge industry. Um, where Eva, myself, and her boyfriend were staying was in Ikabukuru, where there was a row of shops, maybe like several several blocks long, where they had just stores devoted completely just to reselling uh, doujins. And the the day after uh, Comic Cat, we went there to just see what they had, and the line was going out the store from stuff from Comic Cat itself being resold to the store, so people can buy it later, and obviously the wow. subsequent markups that go up afterward. So yeah, it was it was interesting to see that it's become its own little industry in and of itself of buying, reselling, people rebuying the old stuff, reselling their old stuff, etc. Speaking of uh, shops in and around, tell us about your experience in uh, Akiba, the Nerd's Paradise. Nerd's Paradise, yeah. Right when we got off of the train station, we went into a store and didn't leave for an hour and a half. 
in two hours, we moved maybe 20 meters away from when we originally left because a lot of a uh, lot of big stores are right there ne- next to each other, and it's not just like a store that's two stories. I can talk about nine, ten stories tall with several shops on each story that you want to look at. So it's it's a paradise. I mean, you find anything there. Along with the secondhand market indulgence, there's a strong secondhand market with figures. Uh, not so much with gunpla. Uh, I'm pretty sure that once you make it, you can't really resell it. But <laughs> unless it's a resin or something yeah. like that. Oh yeah, you know the the, the re- resins can be resold, and I saw a couple places that were selling it, but those tend to be pricey, so they're not readily available. But stuff like uh, Nendoroids, stuff like Reveltex get resold all the time. So I ended up picking up myself uh, the most of the Gurren uh Reveltex, and two of them I got uh, secondhand for way under the normal. Normal price is like $25, $30. I ended up getting it for less than $20. No, Nendoroids go for typically 35 to 40 I ended up picking really rare ones up for under 20 and they were in perfect condition. They were just somebody had bought them and resold them. So it's interesting to see how secondhand just in general is so readily accepted over there with everything from video games to toys to comics to music, whereas you come to the States, and secondhand is kind of like, you know, the dirty secret. I mean, you know, people argue all the time, like, oh, is it right to rebuy used games? Is it right to resell CDs, resell books? Not so much, but, you know, other forms of media, or that's not a problem in Japan. People just do it. What were some of the other things that were in these shops that was so interesting or that had you guys, you know, just kind of unforgettable or kind of mystified? You said you were like, took took you like an hour and a half to move in one store. So what was the, (laughs) was it the 180,000 people in that one? Or is it just, just the amount of crap that was in there? The amount of crap, man. Oh, so many, just like all the things you see online that you want to order. They're all there. And there's multiples of them. It's something you'll appreciate, Neo. More than once I saw a Jacenic Gagar kit. I saw the Gauthvigar. Gun gun tank tank everywhere. Oh, no. (laughs) Man, forget the gun tank. It's a piece of crap. Oh, Yeah, like if you, go to you want cafe, because isn't that by there? Uh, that was one of the problems. We didn't end up going to any of the maid cafes there because. Uh, oh, you didn't go to the Gundam cafe. <laughs> no, didn't have a chance. And you or, came or on the char spa. Sh- and you came on this show. <laughs> and you didn't go to the Gundam cafe. I'll make up for it a little yeah. bit later. Yes, sir. Will. Me. What um? Believe yeah. What what cool shard things were there? Because that's all we really care oh, about. The short the chicken. Cl- the short chicken. Did you find it? I looked it? for it and I couldn't find it. Damn Akiba, it. Akiba, that's the thing is Akiba is really taken up by the whole Moe phase right now. So a lot of oh. the old stuff doesn't, doesn't really pop up that often. The second hand shops the... you'll find some like old stuff, but like not a lot. What Damn. about a lot of... quattro, quattro razors? <laughs> the quattro between a quattro razors. <laughs> I saw there? a quattro razor. I would have brought that. That Damn was uh, an instance. Really, to sum it up, uh, Akiba, it, there isn't really a lot of really, really solid mecha stuff there. It's mostly like PVC figures and stuff. But again, if you just walk along the street and go in the back streets and find these old mod pa shops that resell stuff, I mean, you'll be surprised what you can probably what we find. Man, back with the hookers dressed like Sailor Moon and stuff <laughs> oh, like that. Yeah, there's some there's some hooker stories to go along with our hotel that. Uh, oh, I was yeah, gonna I was gonna ask about the red light district, but before I do, we were in the red light district. What? <laughs> man, oh man! We, How many gonna... uh, love hotels did you pass by? Oh my <laughs> god, dude! Like I didn't see it at first. And were there we any got... that looked like castles? Yes. <laughs> oh no! But here's the thing: it, the way the castle would look would be between two normal buildings, and you have something that looks like something out of Vienna. <laughs> wow! What? It's really bizarre. Damn! And in Akihabara, how many people were walking around? In cosplay, like just as normal, because I, I hear that happens a lot too. Where you'll just—that's. I know it used to be a, a big thing down there. I don't know if it still is, but yeah. After the uh, Akihabara stabbings, 
uh, I believe it was last year. Um, that's really kind of died down. Like they they don't close the street off on Sundays anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of sad. I, when I went, I the first day I went was in the middle of the week, so there really wasn't anybody in costume except for the you know the maids trying to get you to go into their uh, maid maid cafes. But when I when I went again with Tokyo Hunter, who uh, does a lot of reselling of toys and really awesome dude, get a mm. chance to visit his site. Um, there were a couple people that had some Gintama stuff. They had some uh, just general general. Uh, you know, just Japanese uh, random-looking costumes. It was definitely something that was a pleasure for the eyes to see so much random swooping going on. Definitely a sight for the eyes, because it's something you're not used to seeing, just that amount of chaos going on. Oh, chaotic definitely describes Akihabara. How was the foot traffic there? I mean, was it as manic as you always see in on yep. film? Very manic. What? Man. It's, it is. Because Tokyo is such a small city with so many people, and it's yeah. so, like... Everything going into the stores and being claustrophobic is not fun. Yeah, I, I was gonna say um, the aisles are like really close together. I remember seeing like documentaries in mo- in a lot of stores. I don't know how um, that passes the the fire safety um, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's a regulations. Dip- it's a different country. Well, I'm just it's saying though. You figure every country has fire safety regulations, don't they? Well, uh, maybe maybe some don't. <laughs> Let's just say if somebody lights a fire there, there's gonna be a lot of people burning up. <laughs> It's bad. Moiru! But but for guy gens, that's got to be a terror. It's like there's some miles you can't even go into. You really can't. My big ass. The the, the party's over. Yeah, I'm a big dude. I'm a big guy, and I had trouble going in some of those places. Like my ass did not fit in some of those stores. (laughs) How is the food on and like on the streets and stuff? Like the street vendors and uh, and the um, the, some of the cafes. So good. It's oh, so good. Did you um? Did you go to any like mom and pop vendors on the street like selling ramen? I just asked. uh, No, I'm just. Saying, I, well, you asked restaurant. I didn't. I didn't hear you I say mom street, and pop. I said street vendors. Well, I, well Adam, that's, Adam, that's awesome. just, you never listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a different question then. Um, did you ever did you go to the corporate street vendors as opposed to the mom and pop one? <laughs> and, and what was the dichotomy there between yes. the two? Did, did you did you did ask... you see did you see elements of class struggle? Did you see yeah. uh, the feudalistic vestiges? Of the client mash relationship of the servant to the samurai lord. Yeah, how exactly. how did you? I, I, I didn't know I got that. a went to on MSNBC. Thank you, Bill Moyers. Why? But when you say this, I'm reading a Bill Moyers interview right now. Nice, as we speak. nice. That's you know my boy right there. Though, did, Love that guy. Food though too. Did you go to um, just to go? Because I've always done this when I've gone to co- different places too. Is like, did you go to like the KFCs and the McDonald's and stuff just to see what they had? Yeah, I had a uh, Tamago Double Mac, which is basically a double mac with cheese, bacon, and an egg McMuffin on top. What? Oh, that's did, awesome. Did Did you go to uh, Pizza Hut to support the revolution? Yeah. <laughs> I just find a Pizza Hut over there. I was looking for one. You're kidding, oh, man. Dude, you should have gone and had the freaking shrimp pizza, man. Yeah, I, that would kill me. <laughs> the C2 special. They were in alleyways that were darker than black. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta find uh, Pizza Butt. <laughs> did did you happen to stay out late uh, later later than when the trains ran? Did, did you like do an all nighter at all when you were out there? No, because basically with all the walking and the climbing we did, we ended up doing like more than four or five miles of walking each day. So we were wow. dead by the end of the day. Like I would we would go back to the hotel and weak American. You know, yeah, <laughs> what we do is we go back to the hotel. And there's a lot to do in Ikabukuro, mm-hmm. uh, so I would just probably walk outside. I'd smoke a cigarette and just you know walk around the just taking up the sights and stuff because there's a lot to see at night. And that sort of ties into the whole uh, red light district aspect of what I uh, <laughs> of the area that we were staying <laughs> what in. What about the yakuza? You see them? Uh, no, there were no mobsters, but definitely more than a couple of pimps in the street what? trying to try, 
some the, Japanese tail. Dopeness. Any, um, any street racing, drifting? Uh, the streets weren't big enough. Well, well no, no, the, the main drag of uh, yeah. Vicks was pretty big, uh, but nothing nothing too pimp. Everything was pretty uh, low-key. Did, did you see any AE86s speeding by to deliver no. ramen? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tofu? Sadly, no. Well, I, so, uh, moving on to the, uh, actually, the two... I'll go ahead. I, I no, just, go ahead, ask, ask your, your question, which I, someone probably already asked anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure they did. Being that you were in Tokyo, did you happen to go into any of the famous arcades, like um, Neo Geo World or Club Sega? or any, any Club it, Sega. You did go to Club oh, Sega. Club Holy... Sega. Nice. I got my ass kicked. Nice! <laughs> like, I, I didn't do as bad as I thought I did. I've actually gotten a little bit better since the last time I faced you, Soul Bro. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. Uh, I mean, not much better, you know, but I can definitely put up a better fight than I did last time. Those people and, are worlds wait, better wait, than I could ever hope to be. Sega, if you went to Club Sega, did you see the full car initial D arcade game? Actually, yes, I did. Oh, you did? It Damn. looked awesome. What, that's version four, right? Holy, that's yes. awesome. With with it, the full size AE eighty six and and the full size uh, Mazda, I believe. Dude, that's ridiculous. I love both that game and um, Maximum Tune. Those games are freaking awesome, and uh, those are like big hits over there. Also, if you saw that game, you must have seen the uh, the Mobile Suit Gundam arcade game from Namco. Yep. Wow. They had an entire floor devoted to it. The wow. games like that. How was the line to play it? Uh, the line wasn't too bad, but the the problem was is like when I was there, I was you know with a group of people, so like you know we uh, did more. We did played more rhythm games. Uh, I played a lot of fighting games. Uh, did some putty put on stuff. You know, so I mean it was more. The, the problem also was that you know it, again it was late and these people wanted to leave, and by the time I. Damn Eva. Damn yeah. her to hell. These, these oh, school no. sports. We were retired. We, we, and, and, you no know, excuses. It's the Gundam arcade game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, and that you can sleep when you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> if you go again, man, yeah, it, it, I heard that game is awesome to play with four people, especially since they have headsets in it, so you use them to communicate. That's why you, that's why you go there with your boys. <laughs> so, anyway, moving on. Yes. Go ahead. Tell us, Pedro, about a certain uh, 50-foot-tall statue that you saw. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I did not see. I did not see a giant robot in the middle of uh, middle of a city. Okay, then uh, it's good <laughs> on the show. All right, Catch all right, all right. No, um, so <laughs> it's in Odaiba, which is where Comicet uh, was. We ended up going to Odaiba several times throughout the course of the trip. And what was kind of funny was it's off the beaten path. I mean, it's not in a very obvious place. Oddly enough, you actually have to follow a side road, and you go into like a park, and you walk around the park, and you go into like a bay area. And when you go into the bay area, you see two uh, two fins. Two yellow fins kind of sticking up out of uh, out of the forest, and you walk a little bit closer, and you see like what looks to be like a festival with food. Nice. And in the middle of that festival is a sixty foot Gundam, <laughs> and it was uh, how do I, I I can't really describe it, man. It, it it's just sexy, just all those just lines and metal. Ah, oh, it was amazing, man. It, it it's a really a testament to just how they build it that everybody just. Tons and tons of people walking in, looking up, and just jaws dropping. Just it, it, this thing is so impressive to see. I mean, when you say something is sixty feet tall, you're like, oh, that's pretty big. You can't really, really get that in the, these photos. When you go up to it, you see it hovering over you. How close are you able to get to it? We walked underneath it. What? I got the touch. My God. I got some undershots and some front shots and some crotch so got, shots. So you got some crotch shots of of the Gundam. It's oh al- yeah. It's almost like it was taking cheesecake photos. All right. <laughs> Taking pictures some, I, of the Gundam's uh, Shimapan. Oh yeah, I got, I got, I got some uh, glorious. Or in this case, no pan. Gundam goes commando. So how big was the uh, the crowd that was there at the time we went during? Because we during that day we went back several times. As you know, I'll, I'll tell you a little more in a sec. But at, with the crowd at the time in the middle of the day was maybe two to three hundred people, just kind of sitting and looking and you know eating the food that was around there and you know buying licensed crap off to the side and just yeah. How much? How much of that stuff were they selling? 
It had to have been ridiculous. There was a tent off to the side that had a 30-minute wait to get in that had um, the Gundam merch, which uh, if when I see Chris, he's going to get a little something-something. Oh, so, man. So, I know uh, they were selling stuff like uh, they had like a special HGUC RX-78 yeah. with a display base to make it look like the version's on display there. Hmm. I'm sure they had um, you know DVDs since they put out those specially priced uh, Gundam movie DVDs for the 30th anniversary. They probably had a whole bunch of crap. Yeah, but, they uh, had a... The, the the best thing they had there in my since I I don't really build gunpla because I'm not very good with like building models so I ended up picking up the 30th edition and I'm actually looking at it right now the uh, 30th anniversary uh, Gundam art book which has the RX 78 holding a naked baby on the cover which is odd choice of art what uh, yeah <laughs> yeah if you get a chance to look it's kind of weird that's uh, more than weird yeah. that's frameable right there that that needs to go on the wall. <laughs> that that picture is on the Gundam 30th anniversary website, so it's it's. Oh, uh, that one. Okay. Yeah, that always picture. Beginning. I, 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 always, always beginning. Always beginning. Yeah. Always yes. beginning. Yeah. I and I believe that picture from the looks of it was drawn by uh, Yoshikazu Yazuhiku. No way. Yeah, it looks like his art style. Hell yeah! Like yeah, I'm, I'm looking to see. Actually, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yaz. Beautiful. Yeah. Yaz. So inside the art book is actually a retrospective every single Gundam show ever released. Every one. Even wow. Destiny? There's I some Destiny. There, I there, was there, joking. Because Destiny's a huge hit over there. So <laughs> Actually, they have a lot of uh, interviews with uh, the bald wizard himself. They have him on the second or third page looking out and probably judging everybody for destruction in the audience. Nice. And uh, they actually have um, the building process of the of the Gundam. They have the one of one Gundam head, like how they built that and how they were putting the lights on and getting the gears to get it to turn, which is another thing. It moved. The right. head moves and makes awesome sounds and shoots steam and is amazing. Now, do you get to hear any of uh, Sh- uh, Armo's whiny voice or anything? Or? <laughs> no, no, thank, thank God. His voice is not that whiny. Was there, um, <laughs> it's, it's whiny It's enough. pretty bad. <laughs> it's the whiny. What about um, Char merchandise? Should, they should have had that there. They didn't no, have it. No, Char merchandise. What? Why? Yeah, it, it's all, it's all, uh, all used to so call cool. stuff. What's so important about this RX seventy eight dash two? Just that it's sexy. Any um, any did did they say or anything? Because I know it's uh, is it down now or it's about to be taken down now? Isn't yeah, it? I think so. That's the funny thing. I haven't heard what they're gonna do with it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. They're relocating yeah, they're, they're, it from what I'm sure they some, have it because I'm sure some psychotic millionaire. Um, Japanese modeler will probably buy it. <laughs> try to shoot it. That guy, that guy Daisuke, will probably try to shoot it off in the space. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I want to buy the arm and just put it on my car so I can go through traffic and just punch through everything. <laughs> really awesome. I want a beam saver. <laughs> uh, the beam saver, not functional, sadly enough. Oh. Did you get to see any weddings while you were there? No, the weddings were the week uh, this past week. Oh, okay. Dang it. So that was the first one. Yeah, that would actually have been really, really cool to cover for uh Yeah, that would really cool. That would have been a riot. What about the um, anything else around that? I mean, it, it's just it just sounds like everybody was like kind of awe-inspired about, you know, watching it and, and looking at it. It gets better. When we get back to Odaiba, because we decided to walk around a little bit more that night after hearing about the, um, hearing about the laser show in the band, we... Went up and we went back to the same area, like around, I remember around seven o'clock when the sun was setting and almost set. 
and the show didn't start until nine o'clock, so we decided just to you know grab some uh, grab some of the festival food and you know kind of chill, just get the get the vibe and get some pictures. It went up. The Gundam was was lit up with um, some skylights on it. So nice. it, yeah, so it had nice it, you know had the white exterior, and then they started changing the colors on it. So it really had really really nice impressive look. And definitely you could see it from further out in the city if you looked because of the the colors and you know contrast and such. So they ended up kicking everybody out like around eight o'clock, and we went outside to lined up in a line, which thankfully wasn't as bad as the <laughs> Comiquette line because that would have been quite painful. And we waited about half an hour or so, and we got back in, and they started lining everybody up like in grids, and we got um, a little bit further back because, uh, as uh, I mentioned, I'll plug uh, Japanator, uh, Eva got video of the band performing and video of the light show. So you can actually see that at Japanator.com and see how amazing it was, if you can, don't believe my words. <laughs> so 9 o'clock goes by, the band goes on, and the name of the group is a guitar duo named uh, Depa Pepe, which never heard of them before, but were actually very good. They played a lot of acoustic stuff, it, it sounded kind of jazzy, and they ended up playing a, a lot of the original Gundam songs, and they ended up playing stuff from Wing from uh, from Destiny, not from Destiny, from Seed, uh, they played uh, Zeta stuff, they played Double cool. um, O stuff, you know, they played a lot of the themes, and they were really, really, really good. I was very, very pleased to, to hear that the, not only what the, was the light show really awesome, but the band was really good, too. And uh, the band had a little, maybe 20-minute intermission, because the show was two hours. You know, this was a long show. And they started playing uh, most of the soundtrack from, uh, from original Gundam with uh, the lasers going off and the, the Gundam moving. And sure. it, was, it was pretty sick. It was sure. pretty awesome. <laughs> how, how creepy is that seeing that thing at night lit up and moving its head and making sound effects you know when you say something is awe inspiring this is it like yeah. it the last thing it did before we got kicked out before the show was that they turned off all the lights they turned on the emergency lights and the eyes and they had it move look up into the sky and it shot steam out and I got a side shot of it that I was gonna ask you that the arms and stuff moved a little bit too they were Kind of limited, right? The, no, no, it's no, just they didn't arm. Okay, it sucks that it didn't move, but at the same point, you're looking at a giant sixty foot robot. I'm happy. <laughs> Look, we're looking at the ultimate gunpla. <laughs> Pretty much. Gunpla, yeah, gunpla doesn't get any uh, more awesome than this. So uh, the show lasted two hours, and you know we ended up leaving, and just it is definitely one of the defining moments in my life, just because it, it it's just a perfect a perfect setting and a time when I'm in another country than I've been to before, and something. That I love very, very dearly. So yeah, it was it was an unforgettable moment. That should have been the Red Zaku, though. <laughs> hey, fortieth fortieth anniversary. No, maybe, maybe. Hey, um, did, was the um the Tetsujin Twenty Eight also in that park too? No, uh, that was somewhere else in Tokyo, which was, we didn't get a chance to go see. No problem. I wasn't sure how close it was to the vicinity of the of the Gundam, but um, yeah, I saw pictures of that too. Can't have them too close; they'd fight. Yeah, they would duke it out. Oh no, no, don't don't say that, man. That's that's too awesome. <laughs> Oh. Giant rock'em sock'em robots. Oh my God! Oh. So, so now that you've uh, given us uh, this this uh, account of the Gundam, tell us about uh, Gundam Big Expo. Okay. Uh, once again, we returned to Odaiba and to Tokyo Big Site. The third or fourth time we went on the whole trip. Uh, this time around, we went a lot earlier because we didn't want a repeat of uh, of uh, Comicat. The event's a lot smaller, so it's not nearly as massive, but there were still still a, several thousand people that went to this event. Uh, we ended up meeting with uh, Tokyo Hunter, who uh, is, uh, again, I mentioned earlier, a, a reseller of toys, and we got in line to pick up some of the show exclusives. 
which also can be seen on Tomopop. Uh, Eva took some awesome photos that she also ended up picking up. Some of the Gunpla they had, as I'm looking here at it, they had uh, see-through kits. Like, they had a um, right. crystal clear Exia. They had a crystal clear... I think they had a Wing Zero Custom. Yeah, she bought Wing Zero Custom. Oh, no, she bought the, the perfect grade Wing Zero Custom, but yeah. uh, I don't know if it was... I believe um, it's clear. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, not, not the perfect grade. It was a, I think it was a Master Grade. Yeah, it was a Master Grade. And, uh, yeah, I ended up picking up a Zaku hat, so that is pretty nice, even though it doesn't really fit my head, but it looks pretty awesome. Any Char stuff? Yes, a lot of Char stuff. That's where the Char stuff was being okay. sold. Hell yeah, had, I hear about it. They had... Um, <laughs> they had his uh, helmet for sale, a wearable yeah. helmet. They had... Uh, quattro glasses? Did they have quattro glasses? I didn't see quattro glasses. Damn it. They had the figure. You can order the figure with your face on it. Mm. This is Char's, Char's outfit with uh, your face put onto it. Uh, why would uh, you want that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the whole point of it. <laughs> so it could be like that fat guy in that live-action cutscene from that Gundam PC game from like 10 years ago. Oh, God. Right. Neo met him at Comic-Con. <laughs> really? No, 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 not, uh, not the I'm, fat I'm, Gundam I'm, cosplayer. I know, I mean, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Because cool. there is a notorious fat Char cosplayer out there, and I'm not talking about that guy. Oh. <laughs> but uh, let's see, some of the other stuff that we saw there that was awesome. Um, there was a, like, a History of Gundam, which will be what, what I end this with, because that's definitely worthy of an entire bit. Um, I'm not so familiar with uh, Gunpla. Again, my lack of skill makes me out, stay out of uh, stay out of the circles. But something that was announced and they did have shown, and there are pictures of it again on Tomopop, is the Double O Riser Perfect Grade, wow. which looked so incredibly sick. It was amazing. It, ugh. like I don't know what necessarily goes into making these kits, but it looked phenomenal. It usually, was usually plastic. Molded plastic. <laughs> Molded plastic. Some it, rubber. Put, put in a, such a such a sexy way. And just I'm I'm looking at it right now. And they had it partially covered. They showed the kit was shown behind glass, but you know, and unpainted. But it looked really really awesome. So was I mean, there was there a Saji figurine along Hill, with the uh, Setsna? Figurine? That's what we're talking about. I was going to ask uh, him that. I think somebody tried to bring one in, but they beat him mercilessly. Oh. And then they stomped on the figure. Oh, that sucks. And his name was Yoki Yoshiyuki Tamino. <laughs> Oh man, but uh, yeah, that you know that's you know they had a, a lot of the had like a retrospective on Gunplot, which was nice. A lot of stuff from the '70s and all the way through the '80s and '90s and everything up to today. And they showed a bunch of just the the kits that are coming up and the kits that were available. And of course, you know you can pick up just about any damn kit you could possibly oh, think yeah. of over there. You were able to get uh, view the um, unicorn trailer too, right? Oh yes, that 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 was actually in the the retrospective Gundam, which I'll go to in a sec. Ah, oh, actually, I'll go into it right now since. Uh, more or less uh, all the other coverage for Gunpla stuff can be gotten on Tomopop because uh, Eva covered it. Yeah. Retrospective Gundam. History of Gundam. 30 years. This is what you actually paid for. It was actually free to go buy stuff, but you actually have to pay to get into this exhibit. Which <laughs> Free to are. buy stuff, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you actually want to see stuff, you got to pay. So we waited in line for about 40 minutes to get into this. And what happens is when you get in, you see little retrospects of each of the Gundam shows. You start off with, obviously, the original show and, you know, of, you know, original. You got Zeta, Double Zeta, etc., F91, everything you, uh, you had seen before. Um, once you got past some of the initial shows, 
you would see little things that used to be in the Gundam Museum, which I don't remember where exactly it was. I was talking with Tokyo Hunter about it, but apparently got closed down. And yeah, got closed down last year, I think. Yeah, which that would have been awesome to go to and sneak photos of, but again, impossible unless I go back in time. So they took out a lot of stuff they had there. They had uh, a Zaku production line with just a bunch of Zakus put on a conveyor belt, moving on and getting built, which was pretty damn cool. They had a setup from the... I think it's the first episode of the show. I, I, I'm only seeing the, the movies where the the Gundam is, uh, you know, uh, Amuro just got in and it's standing up. Oh, okay. There, awesome. Yeah, there's the yeah the Zaku pointing at it, and the, everything was moving there, which made it awesome. I'm using that word a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's really difficult to to uh, describe everything else. Isn't there's not that. There's no other metaphor. <laughs> They had a lot of the animation cells, the original animation cells of Char and Sela and, you know, the entire crew and, you know, how they put it together. And a lot of the stuff, obviously, I couldn't understand, but I'm pretty sure it was interesting if you could. I was just amazed that everything, you know, was kept in such good condition and wasn't destroyed. When you got further in, they actually had a one-tenth scale uh, models of, like, the Zeta and the Yakushiki. You go awesome. further in, mm-hmm. we got to start going some of the later shows and some of the the, uh, the alternate uh, century stuff. Uh, you have... Um, G Gundam, they had uh, all the cells of all the characters there. They had uh, miniature models of everybody. And you go further in, and you start getting into some of the later one-tenth scale models, such as a six-foot Wing Zero Custom floating in the air with its wings extended. Goodness. And it looked, it looked, I'm going to use the A word again, it looked amazing. (laughs) And a lot of people were around it just looking at it in awe. Uh, If you see the video on Japanator, uh, Eva's boyfriend literally ran through the lines with the last minute of the battery going and had to stop and just stare at it for about a minute because it definitely was not expected to be seen. Um, Then you go further in and you see the Ternay's head, just, uh, just a separate head, just kind of standing there. Turnay uh, Gundam. Th- <laughs> White Devil with Turnay Gundam. So you go a little further in, and you get to some of the shows from uh, late 90s and early 2000s. You have uh, the one-tenth uh, Axia with its swords out and dashing in the air and a red light on it. So, yeah, we got to get in Transam in Transam mode. In the same general area, they had Double O uh, Riser looking uh, pretty damn sweet. And then we have uh, what was the highlight of the show for me. And they had a one-tenth scale unicorn. Yes. Yes. Mm. Capital Y, yes. Oh, you can't go any further because <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about unicorn on this show. <laughs> for, the, for, for, this, for this show that never will exist, they had this awesome kit there. I don't know why they built it, though. And they had a trailer was there, for it. Uh, was, there, was there any pictures or live feeds from the Tomino household as he cried into his sleep because he, <laughs> because he uh, signed over all the rights to... Uh, all ownership and uh, ways to make money off this this franchise. Uh, th- there was there was like a keening in the background that could have been the cry of hate from him, but I wasn't sure. It might have just been just different interviews going on. Was it similar to the cry of Austin? <laughs> no, like uh, Austin's level of hate will never reach Tamino's. Like he like Austin is hate 2.0. Tamino is hate 1.0. Austin is amateur compared to that man. Yeah, he, he has a ways to go. Actually, not to be funny though, was did he show up at any of this? Can I think remember? he did. I think oh, at okay. some point he made at least an appearance, but not on oh, the day okay. that we went. Okay, cool. I I didn't know. So yeah, many many voice actors showed up for this, which um, actually will go on. And I'll mention that at the end of the piece because uh, we finish off uh, with unicorn because you go in, you see the giant one tenth unicorn looks great, super, super sexy with the lights on it and it glowing and looking menacing as hell. And they had the HD trailer for Unicorn. And some of the most impressive animation that I've seen 
so glorious looking that, you know, just knowing that I'm going to be able to get that, and hopefully on Blu-ray, you know, at the same time that the Japanese get it, it's going to be, I don't have to wait for it, you know. I'll actually be able to support something for once and not pirate it. And- oh, 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 don't worry. <laughs> you'll, you'll wait. <laughs> well, they said, they, they, you'll that, they said that it was going to be released at a universal date, so I'm hoping that they keep to that. So keep my fingers A crossed. universal century date? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That means we'll see it when the calendar shifts over to that. That's going to get Which delayed. It isn't going to happen until 2045. Oh, yeah. man. Now on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be on Purple Ray. But, yeah, so that was really the end of the retrospective. It took us about maybe an hour to go through it, you know, just because there was so much stuff to see. And, yeah, and th- that definitely was, again, something that nobody stateside had seen. Apparently they brought out those, uh, those um, one-tenth models at other events, but, you know, it was the first time for me and... You can color me impressed. So when uh, we ended up leaving uh, a little bit early, we couldn't really stay for the Seiyu stuff because uh, all of the voice actors needed to go in line for it, and the line to see some of that stuff was ridiculous. Jeez. But the Double O people went up first, and we actually could hear—I uh, don't know who Setsuna's voice actor is—but uh, Setsuna went up. Uh, Alleluia was going on as we were leaving, and unfortunately, later in the day, like around four o'clock, Tobakazu Seki was going to show up, and uh, yeah, that's um, Domon. Domon oh, okay. Yeah, don't man. That would have been I great to hear that blood. Brandon Heat, bringing it. <laughs> so uh, we ended up leaving and going back to Akihabara so uh, Tokyo Hunter could show us some of the uh, the backdoor places that uh, that he knows about where he gets some of his uh, good good findings. Oh. Yeah, and ended up picking up some more awesome stuff. But that's, yeah, that's really the, and that's my trip. So basically it sounds like, just like in the States, waiting in line, is is the theme of conventions. It seems like over there it's the same thing too. They make it a lifestyle. Awesome. <laughs> Gee, can't wait for that. Um yeah. how was the fanaticism compared to like the American conventions? I mean you were saying that, you know, like the the people were just very intense and you know, especially when you were talking about that earlier convention, but did they seem like they knew a lot more or I mean I know it's hard because they're speaking a different language and everything, but basically the difference is is that when you go to um any American convention you're gonna have a bunch of squeeing idiots running around, which sort of a consequence of just everything becoming popular i mean you're gonna attract thing everybody's really quiet and kind of respectful over there they're not i mean there's definitely excitement but i I mean i i was literally squealing like an idiot when i saw some of this stuff because i wasn't (laughs) expecting it so um but no everybody's pretty low-key over there and you know people people of people are in costume you know but they're they're, they don't act any differently they're not you know acting like idiots like you would see in J-Con or Megacon, so. Was the um, fire brigade out in full force after the outbreak of that one otaku lighting his house on fire? That happened like the week <laughs> before you went out there, so. <laughs> were they on standby at the Gundam exhibit? <laughs> there, were, there were more cops than I expected, which I think oh. just has to do with general paranoia after, mm-hmm. you know, the otaku who stabbed the maid and, his, and her grandmother. Oh. You know, there's definitely uh, a lot of lot of st- stupid stuff going on there with uh, some of the crazier. How are the bars in Japan? You Another any? unfortunate consequence is I didn't get a chance to go to any what? big bars. I got a chance to drink some, but I didn't get a chance to go uh, bar hopping. You, you should have. Yeah, next um, time you'll have to go to bars and ask where you can find the sailors. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that. Uh, one thing though, uh, stay out of Rapongi. Don't go to Rapongi. How was it? I didn't. I didn't go. It's uh, basically where all of this, the the foreign interests are, and I mean that in the worst possible way. <laughs> Just a, a lot of the tourist trappy stuff. Um, apparently, from what I hear, there are a couple good clubs there and a couple good bars, but for the most part, it's just not a very. It's that's definitely more if of you the, the dirty. Get, yeah, if you want to get in trouble, that's where you go. 
Yeah. I mean, definitely, there's definitely some fun trouble to get into there, but you're also more likely to get stabbed in the face yeah. by, uh, by a very angry Russian. Ooh. Uh, there's some stories about some of the Russian strippers over there that uh, if you dig around in some other podcasts, you'll hear, and they'll give you a chuckle or two. Wow. <laughs> That's nice. So what was your, what was your overall impression of, of, of going there? I, the best way I can describe it, it's like going into an alien country, like, like on Mars. Like, it's definitely a lot of the people, I mean, people are people, so, you know, Generally, human behavior remains the same, but just how they treat everything is so weird. It's, for lack of a better word, it's so foreign. Obviously, um, <laughs> it's kind of the uh, you know the easy way to say it. But seeing different people act different ways is, I think, everybody needs to do that at least a couple times in their life. It's definitely you need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to go to some place right. where you have no idea what the hell is going on, and you just need to just observe, just watch. Definitely a, a positive life experience that I suggest to everybody. Did it meet your expectations, or did it exceed it? Or I mean, it exceeded. Oh, okay, you really went there during a great time. I wish we had the chance to go there too for the Gundam celebration. But I'm glad you got the chance to go. Did you, and, and did you do anything non-anime or anything like that? Like, like any like shrines, historical stuff? Or mm-hmm. we definitely went to at least stopped by all the major boroughs over there. Like we spent a day in Harajuku. We spent a day in uh, Shibuya. Oh man, you spent went a day in Shinjuku, in Shinjuku. Walking around Shinjuku Station was like, oh my god. This place is massive. Yeah, hell yeah, it is. Um, did you go on the bullet train? No, we didn't get a chance to go on the bullet train because those were expensive, man. That's uh, that cost like thirty or forty bucks to hop on. Like just Ooh. the normal trains were, you know, pretty cheap. Like uh, the Yamanote line, which is uh, a circle where Ikebukuro and basically all the major wards are connected to. Right. Just getting to the furthest point just on that line cost maybe like you know at most like two fifty. So I mean, definitely getting around is cheap, but bullet trains are still a luxury that will cost you uh, more than a couple again to, to hop on. That's serious. But um, Harajuku um, was that um, as fashionable as they say? Yes and no. I would say no, because where we landed, we went along um, trying to remember the name of the... the there's like a, a row of really, really... Uh, that Like the, the trendy area where, where supposedly like a lot of fashions get started and were... Fa- okay, it's called uh, Takashita Dori, where it's basically a really small claustrophobic row of stores. <laughs> and there's a couple, it, there are a couple interesting things. A lot of the stuff that I would see stateside, but a couple things that definitely didn't see stateside and a lot of people would wear and see, you know, people uh, with different fashions. But there's definitely a lot of tourist trappy stuff. I mean, you got to be careful because some of that's just like, hey, you're a tourist and you don't know it. Ah, buy this. <laughs> they suck you in. But definitely Harajuku had, um, looking at the individual people in different fashions, that's definitely more interesting. That's that's definitely where you see them. Um, we didn't get a chance to see any, like, serious, serious, hardcore uh, gothic Lolita stuff. A lot of crazy stuff when we were there, which is unfortunate because that's sort of why we went, so we could see the crazy fashions. Yeah. And then we remembered that we were going on the weekend of Comic Cat, where all those people would be going to Comic Cat instead of Harajuku. Unfortunate, but uh, we'd still got to see some some uh, neat stuff. And we went to a shrine when we were in Harajuku. So, well, I think uh, that should about cover. Unless anyone else has any other questions or comments. No. Oh, we're good. Thank you uh, for joining us, Pedro, and uh, hit us up with some links for some of the websites that you infest. All right. I currently am infecting uh, Tomopop.com and Japanator.com, their sister sites. I haven't done my articles yet for my visit to Japan. They should be up in the next week. Uh, Eva, Eva Duanyas, has uh, finished several things that are very, very informative and have a lot of photos and videos. So if you have any sort of questions about any of the stuff I've talked about, go and look her up on Tomopop for the... Uh, Gunpla stuff and Japanator for the video stuff, and specifically she has video of most of, about 90% of the laser show, so you definitely can see a lot of the music that was played and see the lovely pew 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 
And yeah, that's uh, we'll be that's putting that in the show notes, so yeah. that'll that'll be there for people to check out. And uh, if you like toys, just in general, listen to the Tomocast, which gets uh, recorded once a month, and you can get your fill of PVC that way. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Pedro. I hate you for uh, going on this trip, and uh, I will <laughs> always hate you for the rest of my life. But uh, I'm glad that you shared this experience with us. Well, hopefully, I can hopefully I can go to the anime capital of London next year, and then I'll talk about all the great anime stuff over there. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, because they have so much anime in London. Well, <laughs> what I'll do is I'll sit in, I'll sit in a pub with a Char figurine, <laughs> and and have a lonely drink with an old sailor who doesn't no. know what you're talking about, but will tell you all of his stories of his hard life on the sea. No. <laughs> Maybe? No, I don't think so. Well, anyway, that wraps up this segment, so uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. They blow up my car! They blow up my car! They blow up my car! Gundam shame. They blow up my Gundam car and all you got to say is the Gundam shame? No car, no money, you're having a bad day. That's it! I'm through with you, man! I'm calling some of my homies, I'm getting alone, and I'm stepping the f*** off! Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or a bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. All right, so concludes another episode of Gundam at MHQ, episode 38. And in this episode, we had two special guests. You guys know them from previous uh, episodes that we've had in the past. Uh, one was with uh, Dale, uh, kind of the silent uh, Gundammer, if, if, <laughs> if you would say. But you've known him from uh, the Megacon and Sumicon uh, episodes that we've done. And he was actually fortunate enough to go to the first, I guess, the inaugural. I was going to say first annual, but we don't know what's going to happen next year. But the, um, the first mini Megacon, it was a summer convention, kind of a smaller version of Megacon. Uh, here in the uh, Orlando at the Orange County Convention Center. It happened this a uh, couple weeks ago, mid-August. Uh, and we talked about some of uh, some of the happenings going on there, some of the things he liked, some of the things he didn't like, and hopefully some of the things they can do in the future if they continue on. And uh, finally, we got uh, a super long segment, but very super informative segment from Pedo Bear South. Pedro, you remember him from uh, Gurn, the Gurn Lagan episodes, and um, he actually took a trip uh, a few weeks ago to Japan, and he was fortunate enough to see the 59-foot Gundam RX-78-2 that was in the uh, Obadiah Island, and was also able to go to the Gundam Big Eps- Expo, and what was the other expo- uh, convention he went to? Oh, he went to Comic Cat. Comic Cat, whatever that is. And, <laughs> I don't know, I never, I'd never heard of it before. <laughs> So you'll, that 
that explains my my silence during that time. Uh, but he gave us some great information of some of the happenings, um, actually some of the differences and some of the similarities between conventions here in uh, the U.S. and in um, in Japan. So we want to thank him for that. He's also got some. Uh, pictures and I believe some blog entries talking about his trip there. Uh, Sober, the websites that he had was oh, tomopop.com and, and Japan, Jap, J- Japan, Japaninator, yeah. Then, um, and and of course, this podcast is of uh, Tomocast, which you can find at Tomopop as well. Okay. And um, so, uh, for myself and Solbro, just want to thank everybody for listening. Want to thank everybody for um, you know spreading the word. And, you know, continue on, continue to, um, you know, badger your local anime shops, your local, um, you know, Bandai distributors, whatever. Try to, you know, get us uh, more Gundam is uh, better, you know, it'll be better Gundam. And once again, always go to our sponsors too, uh, Petco and GoDaddy. We have the links on the Gundam at Gundam.net website, and uh, we actually have some. They have some great specials going on, especially for uh, web hosting and some pet products, which I'm sure oh, a lot of folks could use, and a lot of folks have been using. So we want to thank you once again. The more you, the more you support them, the more you support us. And um, also, again, all of our UK and European listeners, try to get us on Top Gear. I want to, <laughs> I want to be podcast star in a reasonably priced car. <laughs> So uh, I, I think I think uh, I think the world deserves that. So, but um, there's some other folks that we need to thank and talk about, and Solpro is going to get with that. Oh man, I just want to give props to um, the, these 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 groups out there. Um, Gutted Ren Studios, which you can find on YouTube, um, just look up Gutted Ren Studios, all one word. They're recently putting out the um, Mobile Suit Gundam Abridged series, which is just pretty much a parody of Mobile Suit Gundam voiced over. It's really hilarious. Also, we have uh, a couple podcasts to thank. Um, the SSAA Podcast, you can find them at um, ssaapodcast.blogspot.com. Headed up by our friend the um, doctor, not the doctor, but doctor. And um, his his Wiley Bunch, also 2G Radio, which our friend Kiyoshi is um, also a, um, a, a, co- a co-host on that show. Check them out at 2GRadio.blogspot.com. Also, Chris will be making a um, a cameo appearance, or a um, in a segment on Solar Radio Wave, which is another podcast which you'll find a link to at Gundam.net. And also, we'd like to thank uh, Anime Addicts Anonymous with um, our friends Mitsugi and Chiaki and Valentine and their crew. Um, Neil will be on this show soon, and you can check their website out at aaapodcast.com. Really good show. I dig it, and you guys might dig it too. And um, other than that, you can peep the websites for Gundam at gundam.net. Also, of course, the place where the magic begins, mahq.net. This um, became cribs all of a sudden. <laughs> exactly. It's the website where all the magic happens. <laughs> Post on the forums at mechatalk.net, and you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, Zune, MySpace, Spill.com, among other sites. And um, send us any emails to Gundam, M-A-H-Q, at gmail.com. And whatever uh, new website that begins from here and now that becomes the overnight <laughs> sensation. Any social networking site we're going to invade. That's yes. what's up. Some more comments on iTunes would be great. And once again, too, you know, uh, keep spreading the word. And, you know, when you do it, do it in a classy way because uh, it, it, it helps. It helps keep us, stand us out. But, um 
just want to thank everybody. I want to thank especially um, Pedro and Dale for joining us today. And we'll be back in about two weeks with another episode of Gundam. I'm sure it'll be a little bit back to the normal normal formats with probably some reviews and some insights. Uh, but um, this is Neo along with Soulbro. And uh, Chris Chris had to leave. He had something had come up. So, um, you know, we'll just want to say goodbye and we'll see you guys in a few weeks. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Don't try to stop me. If you get in my way, I'll shoot you. It's not right. That's not right. You never used to be this kind of girl before. What changed you into this? I chose to change myself of my own free will. That's a lie! <sighs> I know you, Louise. I know what you're like. You're a gentle, kind-hearted girl. I know you studied really hard so you could go up into space. And that you're a bit clumsy in how you pretend to be selfish, just to attract attention. <laughs> that the truth is, you often feel very much alone. The real you. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. Welcome to Super Saber Bunch. Aha, I'm looking for that thick, translucent plastic sheeting, the kind they hang in front of the doors or walk in refrigerators. Um, we don't sell that here. You could try Home Depot. I tried them already. They sent me here. Oh. Now, I cannot believe you don't have that stuff. Oh, I don't even know what it's called. Sorry. Well, you're supposed to have everything. Well, we don't have that stuff that you don't even know what it's called. Your website says that this is the most well-stocked store in five parishes. Now, I just drove over an hour from Marthaville. Uh-huh. Does our website have a phone number? I suppose it does. So but... it never occurred to you before you drove an hour to pick up the phone and call us to see if we stopped whatever the hell it is that you're looking for? Well, I think that if a business chooses to classify itself as... Why don't you just find it online and have it delivered to your house? <laughs> or are you just looking for an excuse to wear them ugly-ass clothes? I would like to speak to your manager. Fine. Wyland! Trust me, you are not getting me fired. I am quitting. You were just a f***ing catalyst, and for that order, thank you. You are a very rude young woman. Oh, this ain't rude. This is uppity. Ooh. That's for patting my ass too much. I'm gonna get my baby daddy who just got a prisoner come and kick your teeth in. Jesus, Tara, please don't do anything oh like... My God. I'm not serious, you pathetic racist. I don't have a baby. Damn. I know y'all have to be stupid, but do you have to be that stupid? Sure. Oh, yes. Nice job.